All right, today's Palm Sunday. Everybody got your palms? Okay. You know, I've heard people say, I'm so disappointed. When I was a kid, we got these palms every time we went to church on Palm Sunday. And it was meaningful as a child. And you know what? You're still a child. And we still should celebrate Palm Sunday, and it should have great meaning for us. Amen? Um, I'm so glad that I serve a God who never asks me to do something he's not more than willing to give me more than enough to do it. Amen? So when God calls us to do things for him and for his kingdom, always know this. The supply is greater than the demand. Right? And, you know, um, often when I enter into conversations with people, they, they ask me, what do you do? And I say, well, I work for this father and son group. <laughs> and it's the most amazing relationship I have with my boss. And not only that, but my retirement's out of this world. <laughs> And guess, guess what? You have the same privilege. You have been called to co-labor with the most powerful, loving, good God that you could ever imagine. As a staff now, we're reading a book. It's called God is Good. And then the subtitle is, and he's better than you think. And in it, one of the things that's addressed is, how can God be good and loving and just so that the wicked must be punished? Well, the answer is, you can't be good if wickedness isn't punished. Amen? Or not? I don't have any better solution. But the one thing I know about my God is that he loves me. But I also know this, he's called me to co-labor with him. To have a position in the kingdom where I get to represent him to a lost and dying world. A world I once was lost and dying in until I was encountered by his love and his grace and by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, by the testimony of Jesus Christ. From the moment that Adam and Eve sinned, God has been in a redeeming ministry. He's been seeking to make sure that the created beings that he, he put into this world and gave life to have the ability to be restored to the right relationship that he created us for, and more than that, to be anointed with his presence and power to co-labor with him to accomplish his kingdom purpose, which is the defeat of sin and Satan and its consequences once and for all. Are you familiar with that verse in, in Revelation where it says, when that new Jerusalem has is, is come down to earth, there'll be no more sickness, sadness, sorrow, what? Mourning or death. Hallelujah. Amen? So you have to believe that he's in the process of getting a victory, a complete victory over all of the consequences of sin. Amen? All right. That's a good God. I'm glad I serve him. And the Bible is a, is a progressive revelation of that plan. And we happen to be alive at a time in the plan where we, <laughs> we can have perfect fellowship with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit. We can have the fullness of God alive in us. And more than that, we can 
participate with him in the accomplish of his kingdom purpose and the defeat of sin and Satan right here and right now. Amen? Amen. I'm just excited about that. Pastor Jim has done a marvelous job over these last weeks of allowing us to realize that we have the ability to overcome anything that comes against us in this life and have victory over it. How many of you were blessed by those messages and the clarity? Yeah? And after last week's message, I hope you turn that switch to on. Those of you who are here understand what I'm talking about. There was a graphic up there where the Holy Spirit and all of his giftings and presence and power is over here, and then our soul and our body and our life is over here, and there was a little switch in between. And God wants that switch on all the time. Well, let's get back to Palm Sunday and what actually happened on that day. We see that God has been reaching out to lost people forever, but in the day of Jesus, he was personally here, took on human form, and ministered in love and grace, and brought the truth of the kingdom and the presence of the kingdom into human lives, unlike any time up to that point. Amen? Jesus was the manifestation of God's presence on the earth. He was the exact representation, Hebrews tells us, of the Father. And as he touched lives, and as he brought the message, some were turned to faith in God. Some received the message, but many did not. We see that the witness of God as a Redeemer is repeated throughout all of the events of the first Palm Sunday. Some Bibles entitled Jesus' approach to Jerusalem on this day with this title, the Triumphal Entry. They see it this way because there was a fulfillment of Zechariah, the prophet's prophecy regarding Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. You find that in Zechariah 9.9. And we, it's also mentioned again uh, what Jesus was fulfilling in Matthew 21, 4, and 5, and then the reception that he received from the crowds mentioned in Matthew 21, 9, and 10. So let's look first at Zechariah 9, 9, which is repeated there in Matthew. It says, Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And if you're familiar with the biblical account, Jesus actually sent his disciples to get a colt of a donkey that had never been ridden before. And if he's going to fulfill scripture, it should have been a white one. Because that's what the king was supposed to ride on. And he, and he needed to enter by the eastern gate. Because that was the gate where he came in the, into the city of Jerusalem. And right there was the entry to the temple. And Jesus was to take his place in the temple. So, after they fulfilled that scripture of putting him on the colt, it says that the crowds went before him with hallels, or palm branches and other branches, which was a celebratory event in the Hebrew faith. They went before him proclaiming, as he went into the city, Matthew 21, 9 through 10, and it says, the crowds went ahead of him, And those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? Well, you could say, well, that, that must have been an exciting time. They must have gotten everyone's attention. But the sad part is, the question was this, Who is this? Many of the people missed his coming. You know, we live in a world 
where there are multitudes who have missed his coming. That if we go out and proclaim the, the wonderful news of Jesus, many say, who is he? Though Jesus was fulfilling the Old Testament scripture referring to the coming Messiah in detail, the Jewish religious leaders and most of the people of Israel had refused to receive him. They had missed him. And we see God's response to the judgment that the reaction of Jesus was bringing, or the actual rejection of Jesus was bringing on them and on Jerusalem in Luke 19, 41 to 44. And I'm hoping that scripture is up. It says, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known, sorry, here we go, on this day, won't bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. And the days will come upon you when your enemies will, be, will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. He's speaking of 70 AD when the Romans came and they literally burnt Jerusalem. And they burnt the temple. And the reason they didn't leave one stone on another is because those stones were covered with gold. And they were motivated to tear the temple down to get the gold. But you see, even though he was triumphantly finishing his ministry on the earth, the heart of God was moved over the lostness of man and those who had missed his coming. Amen? The prophet Ezekiel declares this same message from God in the Old Testament. It was God's call to Israel for salvation several times in chapter 33. And in 33.11, we read this. Say to them, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they would turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Why will you die, people of Israel? You see, we serve a good God. We serve a loving God. Justice must be brought against sin. Justice must be brought against the devil and all that he's influenced on the earth. And that includes judgment must be brought against all who reject the message of salvation. You see, the, a wise man said this. God never rejects anyone. Some people reject God. Now, if I were to ask you this morning if, if you were standing on a pier with some friends and there happened to be on the, the railings around the pier life preservers and suddenly you heard the cry of someone who had fallen over the side, I'm drowning, I'm drowning, what would you do? Some of you are being good swimmers may just jump in and rescue them. But many of us would at least grab a life preserver and throw it to him. Amen? Well, God has an assignment for us that's not unlike that particular kind of an event. You see, um, I did not know I was a lost person when I was lost. How many here can testify that 
you know, you went through life thinking you had a faith in God or you had some kind of a faith that would eventually result in your being in heaven. And, and you just thought that I'll do just enough good so that my good outweighs the bad, or at least I hope I will, and then God will blow the bad away and, and let me in because I've been good enough. Come on, let me see the hands out there. How many people live that way in their life? I think most of us, actually, unless you heard the gospel very clearly at a different at a young age. You see, that's not God's plan. It never has been God's plan for a man to be able to earn his way into heaven by his good works. Instead, from the very beginning, it says God himself took the penalty of sin upon himself so that he could rescue those who had no ability to rescue themselves from the power of sin or the power of the devil. And so, this morning, I have a great privilege and a great responsibility to remind us of the place that we have in the kingdom as sons and daughters of the Most High God. You see, not only are you part of a great father and son organization, but he's given you the assignment, every one of you, of ambassador. That's a pretty high calling, amen? To be an ambassador, to represent your sovereign, to have his authority over everything that you speak, and everything that you portray to those to whom you are an ambassador, and to be able to bring his message to them, a message that will bring blessing and grace in their lives. We see this very clearly in uh, the words of Jesus. Or I'm sorry, yeah, the words of, of Paul in 2 Corinthians five fourteen to 21. It says this, Yeah, if I can, I have to say it. I just move my hand. For Christ's love compels us. Second Corinthians five fourteen. Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Do you realize you were created to live for God? Have you accepted the fact that you are created to live for God? That the first and primary purpose for your existence is to be a part of his purpose for you on the earth as he accomplishes his kingdom purpose through your life. You see, some of us, uh, as Pastor Jim was teaching, are just hoping for just enough of God to get through every day. Or just enough of God to get by the current crisis that we're facing. Or somehow have God deliver us and give us some blessings so that we can really enjoy ourselves while we're here. You see, God has a much higher calling and purpose for your life. Amen? He wants you to co-labor with him. And so the verses go on to say that, um, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And I, I left the in him in the wrong order. I'm sorry, I memorized it in the other version. You see, an ambassador is never to act on their own authority or with any other motive than that of the sovereign that they serve. 
As Jesus' ambassadors, we are commissioned to go in his authority and share the reality of God's love with a lost and dying people in this world. How are we going to be successful in our mission? I believe that in order to be successful as Christ's ambassadors, you'll need to get three things right in your heart and in your mind. The first is the right perspective. You see, most of us go through life, and the people that we meet and the people that we know, we like them, we have relationships with them, but we see them as people who are responsible for their own spiritual future. That we're not responsible. It's their decision that needs to make the difference in their life, and it's up to them to find the way. Either that, or we're afraid. We're afraid to speak to them about their condition for fear of being rejected. Amen? I mean, how, hey, let me tell you how lost you are, right? Let me tell you what your end is. You're going to die. And when you die, you're going to go to hell if you do not receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Do you think that's going to win very many hearts? No. But you know, there is a way for you to present to them the love of God. There is a way for you to present to them the good news of Jesus Christ. And there is a way for you to touch them with the reality of God's presence in his kingdom. And it will be as an ambassador. But the first thing you have to have to motivate you to do this is the right perspective of what condition the world is in without Jesus Christ. You see, that's why, that's why Jesus wept when he looked down at Jerusalem. Because he saw the condition, but he didn't just see the condition. He saw the end result of their rejection. Amen? Does it move your heart that people are lost? That's perspective I'm asking us to get. Does it move your heart at all that you live in a world where probably a high percentage of the people that you interact with every single day are headed for hell because they don't know that they're lost and they don't know the love of God for them and they don't know the grace that has been extended to them through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. They don't know what's available to them if they just turn their heart and repent and turn to God. Amen? I mean, I'm sorry, you know, some of this may sound like I'm guilt-tripping. I'm not guilt-tripping. I'm trying to get you to see the world as God does. I'm trying to get you to really let your heart feel what the Holy Spirit feels about lost people. He loves them. God loves them. He says, turn, turn, please. I don't want to see you die. I don't want to see you judged. Please, please turn. Amen? Isn't that true how God feels about lost people? Aren't you glad he felt that way about you? Right, so I'm not asking you to judge and condemn people, but I am asking you to recognize their condition without the presence of the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ in their life. And that it would move you to be willing to allow God to use you as an ambassador of love. You see, I'm not asking you to judge people. I'm asking you to love them the way he does. I'm asking you to allow the Holy Spirit not to just get you through life, but to fill your heart with the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? I mean, Paul says that when he writes to the Ephesians in chapter 3. And it's not one of the verses I have, so I'm going to quote it anyway, because, you know, it's so powerful. He said, For this reason I bow my knee before the whole family 
That means the whole earth gets its name from the Father. I, I bow my knee before the Father, from who everyone who's ever existed has gotten their name, because he created them. Amen? He said, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he would strengthen you with power by his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ might truly dwell in your heart by faith. I pray that you might be rooted and grounded in love, that you might have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is this love which surpasses your human ability to comprehend. So this morning, man, if you haven't been overwhelmed by the love of God to the point where it it doesn't even register that you can understand it, it just overwhelms you, then go to God for it because that's what he wants you to experience. Amen? He wants Jesus alive in you. Not just you. He wants Jesus alive in you. Hallelujah. He loves you that much, but he wants to fill you with his love for the world. In John 3.16, we read this, for God so what? Come on, you can most quote this. For God so? I mean, how many of you know that verse? Come on, let me see the hands out there. You know, just about every single hand is up. In fact, even at sporting events, we see that sign. Yeah, John 3.16, John 3.16. What's the motive of God? Love. For God so loved the world. Do you love the world? You know, most of us condemn the world. I mean, one of the reasons I don't even want to really have cable TV is most of the shows today show me the disgusting parts of what it's like to be lost. But, you know, I can have an attitude toward that that says, that's rotten, it's condemned, it's a, or I can have compassion for those people who don't understand what they're doing. And they're lost. And they think that what they're doing is what people want them to do and what will make them popular or make, get them money or whatever. But they're not knowing what they're doing. Amen? We can help them know <laughs> the love of God. Um, I had the privilege of going out with Annalise on Thursday. Joyce and I uh, got the privilege of taking her out for a, t- a little bit in the afternoon. And she wanted a hot cup of coffee. And I can say, um, don't go to Peter Peter for a hot cup of coffee. They don't serve anything hot, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's kind of funny. They serve cold cappuccino, but not hot. So we ended up at a Denny's uh, so she could get a hot cup of, of uh, beverage. It was kind of a cold day. And we ended up leading our waitress to Christ. Amen? I, I used my favorite line when I, when I opened my conversation with her. I said, uh, do you know that you're, you are eternal? She said, what? I said, do you know that you will live forever? You are eternal. And it began a conversation. And she said, are you a pastor? And then we, uh, <laughs> we got into a little bit of a discussion on how you can know for sure that you have eternal life and that you can have a right relationship with God. She said, God has been moving in my life. I used to be a really bad girl. And anyway, the next thing you know, she was uh, praying with us, and Annalisa took her in her arms. So, wow. Good day. You see, you don't have to be confrontive in order to share the love of Jesus Christ. 
You can be compassionate. You can be personal. And you can be caring. Amen? People respond to love. People respond to grace. So the first thing we need is a right perspective. Everyone who has not trusted in Jesus Christ as their Savior is a child of the devil and condemned to eternal separation from God. That's what the Bible says. We can't avoid it. We can't ignore it. And we cannot say that it's not something we want to deal with. Amen? Ephesians 2, 1 to 3, describes the condition of all who are yet to be born of God through faith in Jesus Christ with these words. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. You see, when I was lost, I did not think that the devil was my boss. I thought I was my boss. But you see, the spirit of rebellion is all that it takes for you to be under the, under the spiritual dominion of the devil. All you have to do is reject God. That's it. What was the first sin in heaven? He rejected God. What did Adam and Eve do when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? In essence, they rejected God's authority over their lives. And they disobeyed. So, what does it take for a person to be under the dominion of Satan? Just reject God. Reject Jesus. They don't have to have a horrible lifestyle. Are you with me? So don't, don't look at people and say, well, they're so good. How can I witness to them? They probably live a, le- a better life than I do. And the answer is because they're still lost. And it should matter to you. It's the love of God in you that will cause and motivate you to want to do something about being an ambassador. Amen? All right, so Ephesians, we read that. Um, all of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. You know, I I came to this conclusion, the only thing that earthly parents can give to their children, and that includes Pastor Jim and Pastor Kelly and Joyce and I and anyone on the earth, whether you're saved or not, is a sinful human nature. That's, That's sobering. The only one that can give them a new nature is God. Amen? So how much do you want your kids saved? I imagine, I don't know a parent here that loves their children that isn't praying for them to be saved if they aren't already and doing what they can to help them recognize the joy of salvation and the privilege and all that comes with it. But you know, every other human being on the earth is somebody's son or daughter. And they're all God's children. They may not be in the family yet in Christ, but they're all created by God. And he loves every one of them. Now, the second half of that verse that we read, John 3.16 says, For the Son of, Son of Man did not come to condemn, right? 
but that through me the world might be. So our job as, as God's witnesses in Christ is not to condemn people. I want to make sure that that part of it, your right perspective, your perspective is to be an ambassador of love and an ambassador of life, but not to bring condemnation. Amen? All right, so that should free you up a little bit about your assignment, that you don't have to be a, a negative speaker and a mean person in order to be a good witness for Jesus Christ. So, um, second part besides the right perspective, is to have the right motivation. And I've already said that God's motivation is love. Love is the motivation of God for rescuing mankind from the power of sin and the devil. 1 John 4, 7 to 12, we read these words. By the way, if, if it looks like I'm jumping around on your outline, I put so much stuff into this sermon. And there is a clock. All right, John, 1 John 4, 7 to 12. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. You know, so often we look at that and say, yep, I love my friends at church. They're part of God's family, love them. Well, sometimes it might be harder than others, but uh, no, that doesn't bring a chuckle, okay. You just love everybody, all right. I don't want to be sarcastic. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Amen? You see, that's love for the lost. That's how God loves the lost. Oh, he loves his family. But that's how God loves the lost. Is that how we love the lost? If it isn't, let's ask God to do that Ephesians 3 prayer for us so that we will. Because when his love comes and abides in your heart, he wants it to escape and touch other people around you. Amen? It's not just for you. As it says here, it's for him to be able to bring his good news to others. So first we have the right uh, Perspective, second, we have the, light, the right motivation, and lastly, we have the right presentation. Everyone who is in Christ is called and anointed to present the love of Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. There is the example of Jesus in the Gospels. In Luke four eighteen and 19, he announced his ministry to the earth with these words. I call it his inaugural address as King of Kings or as the king coming to the earth. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 
You know, we have an, a wonderful ministry where we try to bring the love of Christ into Syracuse, and we call it Feed the City. If you haven't participated, you're missing out. It's an awesome opportunity. But Jesus says here, I came to proclaim good news to the poor. He was talking about spiritually poor people. Guess what? That was everyone on the planet who hadn't received the good news of God yet and, and received the promise of his coming. And then it says he's anointed me to uh, proclaim freedom to the prisoners. You know what? I couldn't find a scripture any time when Jesus went to a prison, not even when John the Baptist was in one. What kind of prisoners is he talking about? Prisoners of sin and Satan. Amen? So do you see that God has been on this mission all along? And that what we're really being offered the opportunity to do is walk in the anointing and the ministry of Jesus Christ. Jesus said to the disciples, as the Father sent me, so send I you. And he's talking to all of us who have been born again and are part of God's family. Amen? So, so what is this that I'm trying to tell you about the right presentation? The answer is don't go out witnessing without the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. If Jesus wouldn't do it, and he's the Son of God, we shouldn't do it. Amen? When he sent his disciples, he told his disciples that he was going up to the Father and that he was going to set, make them his witnesses. He said, tarry in Jerusalem until you have received what? Power from on high. And who came upon them on the day of Pentecost? The Holy Spirit. You see, <laughs> even though he spent three years training these guys to be his, his representatives on the earth when he left and showing them the reality of their ability to minister the kingdom from heaven to earth, he told them, now don't go and do any of it until you receive the same anointing that I have had as I have walked among you as the Son of God in human flesh. I love what Bill Johnson says about Jesus and his life here. He said some of, the, some of the things that Jesus did showed that he was God. Everybody agree with that? All right. In fact, most everything he did is evidence that he, was, he had the right relationship with God. In fact, Nicodemus came and said to him at night, Good teacher, we know that you are from God because no one could do the things that you're doing unless God's with him. Right? But he was a man. He was God, but he was man. But you see... Here's what Bill said. The scripture says he laid aside his glory and took on human flesh. And being born of man, he became the servant of man. But we know that when he was baptized, what happened? The heavens opened, the Father spoke, and the Holy Spirit came down in person and rested upon him, which means remained. And now everything he did from that point in time on he did through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Whether it was knowing people's thoughts, whether it was getting a word of knowledge, whether it was performing healings, everything he did, he did then as a human being filled with the Holy Spirit and in right relationship with the Father. Amen? You know what? If what he did, he did as God, I'm impressed, but I'm not obligated. But if what he did, he did as a man full of the Holy Spirit, now that's a different story. And God has said to us, if you have received Christ and if you have been born of God, you have received the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and he now dwells in you.
If you need to be more aware of his presence, as Pastor Jim has been preaching, then get more aware of his presence. If you need to know more of his anointing, then seek for more of your awareness of his anointing. But you have the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwelling in you. And so the assignment to be an ambassador for God is an assignment that you have authority and power to fulfill. Amen? All right. Well, I've kind of grabbed you by your shirts and said, hey, God has a mission for you. How are you doing? How are you doing? He wants you to know the joy that he had while he was here. And that joy came from seeing people touched by the love of God, aware of the love of God, responding to the love of God, and receiving eternal life. Amen? You have that privilege. You have that privilege if you've been born again. Now, if you're here this morning and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'd like to be an ambassador for him. If you receive Jesus, you will receive an unconditional love beyond anything any human being could enable you to feel. You will receive forgiveness of any and everything that's ever offended God in your life. And you will receive an indwelling Holy Spirit who will give you a life that can be victorious in every situation. And then you'll be given the privilege of giving it away to as many as possible before you reach heaven yourself. What an awesome God. What an awesome privilege. So if you have yet to receive Jesus and you want to this morning, there'll be people up front. I'll be up here. I'd be more than privileged to usher in another person into the presence of God. You see, that's what you get to be as an usher. <laughs> you get to usher people into his presence. Will you bow with me? This morning, maybe you need to recommit your life to the assignments you've been given. You're already an ambassador if you're one of God's children. You just may not have realized what an awesome privilege it is and how blessed you are to be in it. So bow with me right now. Father God, thank you for reminding us this morning that without Jesus, the only result that can happen in any human life is condemnation and separation from you forever. And you've assigned us to touch people with your goodness to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ ambassadors of love ambassadors that are motivated by love ambassadors that have the ability to present life and the grace power and presence of your Holy Spirit we thank you this morning God and let us not shrink back let's not make any more excuses that have human 
They're, they're of human origin. They're not of you. If we need to be encouraged, God, encourage us. If we need to know more about who we are in you, may we seek that with all our hearts. If we need more, more awareness of your anointing, may it become a constant cry of fill us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking this trip with me. Jesus said there'll be great reward at the throne for those who have had a harvest in Christ. God bless you this morning as you're dismissed. There'll be people up here to pray with you if you have need in your life and want a touch from God or want to encounter Him. God bless you. Thank you.